0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the show. This is gonna be a fun one because I'm actually talking to someone who has done something that I know nothing about. I have no experience, I have no relevance or even like understanding of where this guest has been in his journey. And so um, besides becoming a, a cool friend of mine and just someone that I like hanging out with, this guy has a story that many of you will absolutely connect to and relate to because you've probably seen him. So I haven't had the chance to, actually interview and talk with on this show too many people that have been in the public eye as as much as Chris has. And so uh, without keeping it under veil any longer, I want to introduce Mr. Chris Kowski to the show. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Hey, listen, I know that when people hear your name, they're going to go, wait, 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 that's the dude from like the Bachelor series and and some of the spinoffs of that. So I know they're going to want to talk about. I want to go way deeper. I want to talk about a lot of things about you because I don't know you from that realm. I've literally never watched one episode. I don't know anything about it, but people are going to want to know. So would you mind kind of starting off telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about that? um, What that thing is that you've been a part of called The Bachelor?
1: Sure. You know it's interesting because we actually got to know each other before you got to see me on TV, which is actually quite the opposite. Usually, yes. the conversation starts, "Oh, I saw you on TV, and now let's you know, <laughs> yeah, let and I me no learn idea. more about you." So this is actually the better. <laughs> this is the better way to do it. Good. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm pretty new to Denver. I've been out in Denver for a couple of years now, and um, you know, besides my TV life, um, I'm pretty career orientated. Yes. Um, I work in the sports world. I have a digital media company. I have restaurants. Um, so I, I've done a lot. Um, and then, you know, the TV thing has definitely helped me kind of open the door to some different opportunities. Um, the first time I, I, I did a TV show, which was The Bachelorette, was back in 2012. Um, I was 25 at the time. Okay. Uh, so I was uh, I was young. And uh, at that time, I was working in sports. And, um, you know, from that, I kind of you know, you get this spotlight and again doors open and um I was able to, you know, kind of fulfill my dream of opening up my first restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um that's that's what I went to school for. I went to school for hospitality at at UNLV. So um so yeah, it was uh you know it's kind of a launching pad and now it's you know it's different, you know, social media is so much bigger now these days than it was back in the day. And, uh, so it's, uh, again, it's definitely, uh, create a lot of opportunities for me and, and, and through that, um, and through,
0: you know, my current career, I've been able to meet you guys. Absolutely. What, you know, I think, did you intend on going into, TV, Chris, was that something that happened or did it just happen? And by the way, let me correct that. I think I said The Bachelor at the beginning versus The Bachelor. That shows you how much I do or don't know about that it's franchise. It's all under
1: The Bachelor franchise. So there's okay. De- okay. different shows under The Bachelor <laughs> shows, So, But yeah,
0: um, no,
1: I never intend to go on TV. i never seen the show before. Uh, my friends from high school, she nominated me to be on the show. I was in Chicago at the time and uh, they invited me to a casting call and they casted me,
0: you know when I went to the casting call and you'd never been on TV. That wasn't your thing. You weren't into acting or any of that stuff. You just going about your life. That's it. So just... what were you doing pre bachelor umbrella franchise? What, what does the life of Chris look like? Yeah. Pre
1: bachelor, I was uh, working for the New York Islanders in New York. Okay. Uh, so I was in sports and uh, worked in, in marketing and, and, and sales. And you grew up, Playing sports, right? Yeah, I play football, basketball, and baseball. A yep. little bit of baseball in college, and uh, always, you know, I'm a sports guy mm-hmm. uh, through and through. So it's uh, it's nice to you know be working in sports and then be back in sports.
0: What you know, I think what's so cool, as we've talked before on several occasions, and understanding your history is you do love sports, and that's been a theme throughout your life. And now you have this opportunity to use your platform through your television career, also to um, Give you different opportunities in sports. And so, where we had the chance to meet was through the Denver Outlaws and that professional lacrosse organization and watching you go into that. And not, you know, I mean, you know, something about lacrosse, not been your first love sport, like you said. But I think that connection to sport probably has a lot to do with the drive that you've had and the things that you've achieved. Can you talk to some of the best lessons you've learned from sports growing up that that have led you to this really multifaceted and diverse professional career with all the things that you spoke about earlier? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, sports is just, you can
1: learn so much, not from just your pure experience for yourself, but around the guys or, or girls or whoever you're around as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a good listener, Uh, And you can listen and learn from your teammates, from your coach, uh, from anyone that you're kind of introduced to in the sports world, whether you're the athlete or you're you're helping the athletes or you're a coach. um, That's so valuable to me. I've over the years, you know, you get to meet so many different people that are so talented um, and so smart and so driven. Um, I think that's kind of relates and kind of, um, you know, you feed off of that, whether you are an athlete or whether you are, you know, working in the service industry or, or whatever you might be doing, you know, I think sports is such a great, um, you know, uh, platform to, to learn it all and, uh, to be motivated. I think that's such a big thing. You see, you always see someone that's always trying to work harder than you. Yes. And to be able to be pushed, um, that makes you better, even if you don't get to be better than that, that guy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, talent wise. Um, and, you know, being a, around the outlaws this season uh lacrosse is pretty new for me i've kind of been around it just because my friends played it but these guys you know, these guys work harder than i've worked in you know the nhl these guys work just as hard if not wow. harder. wow and, and the best thing about these guys is these guys aren't making millions of dollars yep you know they're going to work just like like me and you um so they do this because they love it mm-hmm. they don't do it for the paycheck um that's why you know when you show up and you see these guys i mean working out non-stop training um, You know, being the teammates that they need to be, you know, building chemistry, especially in, you know, these times where you can't meet up and practice all the time. And these guys are, you know, on Zoom calls all the time. And it, it really was an amazing experience, you know, just being a part of the Outlaws this season just to see how quickly a team can gel and the chemistry and how much respect these guys have for each other. Yes. It, and it was fascinating
0: for me, too, because we had walked through this deal where, you know, we were going to be um, partners getting to watch games in person here we went from a 12 game season with six home six away to a six week season to what eventually became essentially a 10 day sprint right mm-hmm. where you do a marathon season in a sprint time frame and it's this big crazy format and and we had the the chance to watch all the games mm-hmm. so we got to watch them from from television obviously and i was so amazed because the weather was crazy whether it's down downpours or massive heat and all this kind of stuff I, I got to tell you, I have never seen a sporting event ever, and I'm interested to get your take on this because you were there, mm-hmm. where the format changed so much. Everyone had to be adaptable. All the athletes had to get dialed in for how their life was going to change and be in the bubble and the whole kind of thing that they that they created. And then all of a sudden, you you're undefeated, you make it to the semis, and guys from each bracket or each team from the other bracket semis Test positive for COVID. So now you don't have a semifinal game. Now everything that you've planned for now becomes a final and the entire structure changed overnight. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen anything like that? To me, that's the weirdest thing in sport I've ever seen. It was. And again, I don't think anyone can prepare
1: for what we're going through right now as as, you know, a world. Yes, <laughs> you know, as a country. Yes. Um, and I thought it was it was really well done on, you know, a lot of planning went into it and and, you know, what happened was there was local guys that actually tested positive, um, you know, for COVID. And, you know, when the first guy, you know, went down, you know, the next day, the whole – everyone in that bubble, you know, from me to the to the players to staff, everyone was tested. Uh, so, again, like, so those guys were all from the same team that got exposed. And then, obviously, the team that – the Connecticut, the team that played them prior were like, you know, they were more precautionary, like, all right, we just play these guys. So maybe we should just – Step back and you know could be more concerned about our health and just kind
0: of. Oh, walk away I didn't realize something. that. I didn't know yeah. that they were all one team. Yeah, I all did from the not, BayHawks. I did not understand the way I read it and and understood it was. A, yeah, it was a couple guys from both teams. I yeah. see. Wow, yeah. it makes yeah. it even crazier.
1: Yeah, so it was uh, again. It was a lot of unexpected things. Everything was going pretty smoothly. Again, the weather was brutal. It was hot. Yes, it was hot, or it was pouring rain. Um, things were kind of happening on the fly, but again, it was organized and there was competitive sports being played. And I think that was really nice for people to see that there was organized, competitive, professional sports coming back. And at the same time, I believe the MLS started as well. Yes. Uh, so there was that. And I, I think it was a nice little lead up to, you know, what we're seeing now. And, um, you know, with the NBA and and, mm-hmm. and everything kind of coming back. So it, it was kind of a stepping stone. I, I think people learned from, you know, what we did. And um, if not, like they got to see, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong. And um, again, it was... You you can't prepare for it. You can prepare for it as much as possible, but there's
0: always something that can, you know, pop up. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of the COVID issue, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm super apolitical in a lot of things and I don't want to take COVID in any kind of political arena. But when we talk about the effect on people, you being an athlete and growing up playing sports, even into college, I just heard this the other day. I hadn't thought about it because of course now you have uh, some of the college conferences putting off their entire spring sports until, or their fall sports until the spring, right? Yeah. Saying, we're not gonna compete. You have others that are saying, no, we're still competing, only we're gonna make these alterations. So there's no consistency and check this out. I hadn't thought about this. Number one, what if you're a lacrosse player at a non powerhouse school? So forget the Hopkins, the DU, forget mm-hmm. those schools, but some others, you know, D2 school, let's say, or, um, you know, D1A or something and that program gets shelved, what happens to those athletes? Do they still get to keep their scholarship? Do they lose their scholarship? And if they lose their scholarship, they can't go to college. So that's part one. And part two is you got these athletes who are these big ticket athletes. You talk about you know Alabama, let's say, mm-hmm. and Alabama says, nope, we're not playing. You've got these athletes who depend on that structure, mm-hmm. right? These are highly charged alpha males mm-hmm. and they are they are always itching for something to do. And all of a sudden you take away that structure. Number one, you know, their their scholarship's probably safe because they bring in so many millions and millions of dollars. But what about their emotional and mental health? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to train best they can, but they can't be together in the building or they can be together, but they can't compete. And now what happens with that lack of structure? Are they going to get in more trouble than they ever would have during that season because team activities are suspended? I, I'd be interested in your thought on that as... You know, a person that has really lived that that mm-hmm. athletic life, and how you see that playing out. Yeah, I mean, I think even with structure,
1: athletes struggle to kind of stay motivated,
0: keep it between the lines. Yeah, sometimes. keep it between the lines, and <laughs>
1: rightfully so. I mean, you know, we were all eighteen before, and it was yes. like we wanted to have fun. Yes, and you know, we were away from our parents for the first time, or, or whatever it be. Um, so now, you know, I I think that if there was no sports, but everyone was still on <laughs> campus, I think that'd be a bigger issue um than what we're in right now as far as you know people still kind of quarantining or mm-hmm. kind of in this uh you know really careful stage. I, I think for me, I think it's like, all right, who is gonna be motivated to still train and work out and, you know, keep that division one scholarship because yeah, they're probably gonna be able to keep it, I would I would imagine so. Um if you know sports are canceled. But I, I think that'll show a lot of character on each individual. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean you could see it on the lacrosse field. You can see who was prepared and who wasn't um you can tell in the second quarter you know yes um so it it, it's tough i mean i think that separates the great from the good yeah um and it's just like with anything else in life i mean there was at the beginning when this all started i was i was not motivated i was you know there's a lot of uncertainty a lot of all right what do i do like what can i do i was actually i had my head down a lot because you know this affected me personally a lot from a business side you know i have restaurants uh which got hit um, you know, my digital media company, our our biggest clients were in the hospitality space. So it was like, for me, it was like, what do I, I can't do anything. Right. And you get, you know, upset. You You have no power over a pandemic. Yes. You know, so I think, you know, for these athletes and stuff, I think it's just kind of keeping a straight head and just, you know, going on as best possible as they can without right. that structure that they're giving from, especially like D1 athletes. I mean, these guys, You know, they have a schedule set out for them when they're Mm going to wake up, when they're going to eat, when they're going to train, all that stuff. So it's going to be interesting. And I I think what's going to be really more interesting is, you know, they're pushing all these things further back. Right. What is it going to look like when they try to bring it back to what it is, like what we're used to? Mm -hmm. Like what's that going to look like? And
0: are they ever going to do that? Or are we just going to are we looking at a new norm? You know, and what's crazy about that is if think about this, and, and then we'll move on to another topic. You and I could talk sports forever. Yeah. But in case the the listener isn't as into sports as we are, we'll move on to some other things. But if you're a top 50 athlete in college football and your sport gets pushed to spring, if you were to play that sport and knowing that by the time the end of the season comes, now you're having to get ready for the combine. If you're an NFL player, Mm -hmm. the likelihood of the top athletes wanting to forego their senior season so that they can prep to be an NFL player risk averse on injury on the right before prepare for the combine combine for your testing and your, you know, mental metrics and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I think we'll lose a lot of of those great athletes. And if this is the new norm, if seasons are shifting Mm -hmm. and all that, boy, I think it puts a lot of stress. On the athletes to decide what to do, and you know that's kind of crazy.
1: I agree. Uh, my friend John, who's the GM for the Outlaws, he um, he's recently took a job at Johns Hopkins, and uh, they're going through that right now. Like, really? are these guys going to stay for their fifth year? Yes. Are they going to go? It's different in lacrosse because there's not a, a the professional platform isn't as big as a, you know the NFL or mm-hmm. or what, what have you. So, but it's you know for me, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a senior in college or a senior in high school, and then it's just like well, that's it. Yes. There is no senior year. There is no so it's I I agree. I think it's I think it's interesting even when you look at the NFL like these guys coming in there's there's no training camp. There's going to be no preseason and these rookies coming in. I mean, you got to you got to learn an offense. You got to right. it, it's going to be super interesting um but I guess we don't know until it happens. That's
0: right. We're going to see the quality of play. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, it, going back to what you said before, I want to I want to come back to something. I was listening to a sports psychologist, but he's a performance sports psychologist. He's here in Denver, listened to him yesterday. And he talked about the importance, where, especially during crisis. And a lot of people consider where we're at now a crisis in a lot of ways. And I would agree to a great extent that you need to get your mind mm-hmm. literally in the right frame of mind. And you do that by self talk. Now, some people call that affirmations. And you know, I'm a big fan of affirmations mm-hmm. as long as your mind can believe the affirmation that you're saying. So if I ever say I'm going to be six, seven. I'm going to be six, seven. Well, guess what? I'm 52 years old and I'm five <laughs> right. I'm never going to be six, seven. Right. So if the subconscious can't connect with what your, your conscious mind is saying, I think you can create a disconnect, but the thought of, man, I'm a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Things work out well for me. I'm a loving person. Like those kind of affirmations that are just general quality things, I think goes so far, especially in crisis to get us set for stability and for knowing everything is going to be okay, control what you can, mm-hmm. have faith in the rest, and just move forward.
1: I, I agree. Um, I, you know, there's days when I again, it's like I got to tell myself, like, all right, be motivated. You can do this. You can do that. And uh, but again, you got to believe you can do that. That's right. And for me, the biggest thing that I've learned when it comes to being able to change yourself or, or anything like that is is doing something for certain amount of days in a row. So my, my, my thing is always do something for 21 days in a row and it becomes the norm for you.
0: Um, and if you do it well, right. So give us some examples. What are some of the things that you've said, man, I got to bring this into my life. I'm going to commit to this 21 day challenge and and the the listeners might connect to it. I mean, obviously, honestly, something outside of fitness, all, all that stuff is, is kind of, I've, I've been doing that all my
1: life, but for me it was, it was my sleeping habits. Okay. Um, which, I think can relate to a lot of people for, for me, it was, you know, I was a late guy and in the early morning. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. So, you know, I kind of set a, a goal for myself. All right. My goal is to go to sleep at this time every night or at least be in bed. No, no electronics, go to sleep and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's helped me so much. Um, even if it's like waking up first thing in the morning, having a glass of water, Yes, you know, stuff like that. If you do it to me, it's like, all right, you can do it one or two, three times a day. Or even when people start diets, you know, if they do it one or two, three times a day, they then they give up. Yes, but if you set a goal and you're like, "All right, I got 21 days, and I'll do this 21 days in a row," I guarantee that 22nd day, it's going to be second nature. To Absolutely, it. you're just going to do it. I, I don't I don't remember where I read that or who told that to me, but it's been it's been big for me.
0: Yep, I've heard that since I was in high school. I played yeah. high school football, and and our coaches always say, "Hey, listen, let's get in the off season, get in there, train, just start." So that you have time to build that habit, so that now you've spent time before the season starts and that kind of thing. I agree. Yeah. Now, what about this? I'm interested to, to learn because of your restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. You're going around, uh, you know, doing your thing, and you had a couple locations, right? Two, three locations, doing mm-hmm. your your business. COVID hits, and dry cleaners, restaurant tours, uh, anyone in the customer service industry where no one could go. I, I felt horrible for. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just literally changed the game overnight mm-hmm. and you had to pivot. And so I'm interested from a mental and a strategic and physical perspective. What did you do to pivot to say, maybe this isn't going to work out. I got to think about this or like, how did you navigate that? Or maybe you're still navigating it. You're still
1: navigating it. I mean, the, you know, being in a service industry for so long, I mean, I think they're the hardest working people out there. Um, And when this happened, it shut everything down overnight. So it was like, but when it first happened, you're like, well, we'll be, you know, a couple weeks. Yes. We'll be good. Absolutely. And now we're what, you know, a few months in and, you know, things are trying to start to open up again, but it's not the same. I mean, there's, there's not the same kind of money coming in. There's not the same amount of people going out. You know, it's still like early in the process and, and to pivot, I mean. We were close to shutting down our original restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's expensive to open up to have a restaurant just from and rent. you're in Chicago, correct? Well, we have one in Chicago, but the one in Arlington, Virginia, you know, we're paying a ton for rent okay. just to stay open. So yes. when there's no income, no revenue, it's like, all right, so what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, just paying rent to to exist. Um, so it it was you, you had to think on the fly. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that, you know, happens even when things are normal, uh, but this was obviously different. So we've been able to kind of weather the storm a little bit and uh, we're still, the doors are still open. The airport locations are still temporarily closed, but um, um, I, I think there's been a lot of help from, you know, uh, like the landlord or, you know, yes. just people around just kind of making sacrifices to, to see if, you know, we can kind of stick this out and wait this out a little bit longer. Yeah.
0: So- you bring something up there that's really important to me i think that the you said you know you you work with the landlord and you you used we a lot Mm -hmm. as you were talking about your restaurants to me it's all about relationships at the Mm -hmm. end of the day to get through anything to to make it around the other side it's the people that you're connected to and the way that you guys can kind of operate and move within right did you find that some of your relationships got closer and, and deeper through all of this so far chris or have you found that it Tested relationships, especially in the business side. What what have you been seeing there? I would say from the beginning, it, at the beginning, it tested
1: like, all right, do we believe we can still do this? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this for seven years. Like, can we still, you know, figure this out? And um, I've been lucky enough to have great relationships in my life from a business side, personal level. Um, but I think now more than ever, I think I've been able to build stronger relationships personally and from a business perspective, just because... We have we all have something to relate to. Mm-hmm. We're all living in the same kind of crisis, um, and I think it's I think it's obviously it's not great to be in this crisis, but I think I think a lot more people are be are able to build relationships, even if it might not be face to face, you know, from the beginning. But I, I've talked to people that I haven't talked to in a while, and I've talked to people that I talk to a lot, but I'm talking to them longer. Nice. You know, there's a lot to talk about, and I think it's uh, there's deeper conversations. I mean, even just like this podcast we're doing right now i mean we we're that we had this opportunity kind of because of all of this. right absolutely um, so you know and we talk i mean we talk outside of this and we we talk about more stuff than we probably would have if we, we <laughs> weren't in this situation uh so you know it's you just got to look at the i guess the the bright side of 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 this you know bad situation that we're in and and kind of take advantage of it man i'm, I'm telling you i've reached out to people that you know that i was working with or in business with 10 years ago and now you know we're working on something new together you know and it's just i had to pivot completely pivot i mean when Mm -hmm. you said pivot i had to completely pivot Mm -hmm. Um, but i I didn't give up on what i did i just pivoted to see if there was more opportunity
0: elsewhere for me and there there is there's opportunity out there for everybody i love that so speaking of relationships tell me how the bachelorette thing works. Cause again, I, I honestly, literally I've never watched one episode, so I don't understand the concept other than you try to find someone who could maybe be considered your soulmate, but it's some sort of a, a competition of yeah. sorts. So can just kind of sure. lay that out. And again, I know everyone listening knows way more than I do, but yeah. uh, from your perspective, I think it'll be a cool, uh, cool feature. Yeah. So the first show is bachelorette, you know, there's one girl
1: um 25 guys 25 25 guys so it's like you know it's also a competition too you know as it's a dating show but i was like wildly attracted to the bachelorette that was um uh, the season i was on and again i was 25. yes i probably had no business like getting married at that age um, probably wasn't ready but I convinced myself I was um, so you go you know you go on dates and you kind of there's eliminations and okay I made it all the way to uh, where you know she came back to Chicago she met my family and stuff because um, most of it's filmed we've traveled the world uh, you know it's filmed at different locations around the world okay. um, and then you know I didn't end up with her um, oh, okay. I didn't end up with
0: her. So uh, does that mean that you win? Is that the... You win if you end up with her technically. Yeah. You call it winning, Yeah, Right, right. I right. guess, yeah. yeah. Um, so out of 25, you're the last guy standing. No, I was... I, I
1: After hometown days is when she let me go.
0: Okay, okay. So
1: there was uh, three guys left. Okay. Um, and then there's spinoff shows, man. There's the Bachelor Pad, or you would love the Bachelor Pad. It was, doesn't exist anymore, but it's a competition <laughs> show. Uh, challenges, you compete for 250 grand. Okay. Um, so there's guys and girls from... The bachelor series yes um and there's dating involved but there's also challenges and i lost in the finals oh that, wow um, that was that was a heartbreaker mm.
0: um, so because
1: 250k you know when you're 25 yeah, yeah. is would be nice anytime that's right? nice. <laughs> that's anytime true. that's yeah. nice yeah so you know i've done it on and off i've done it for eight years i've i've been on the most bachelor shows out of any person that's been on that show okay that's the whole kind of joke oh Bukowski's probably gonna come back for another one this
0: year, <laughs> you're you the brett fireman. yeah exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> so which is fine again i started young so like i was on it last summer i actually got engaged last summer on the show um and i was 32 at the time and um it was a good experience again it's completely different than it was 10 you know eight years ago when i was doing this because of the power of social media i feel like people's intentions aren't as pure as they used to be okay uh, i feel like a lot of people go on because there's opportunity Right. So you build their social media, you have this platform, you make money. Um, and I think before it was a little more genuine where people actually went on to possibly meet someone where they can, you know, either date or, you know, marry. Right. Uh, and that's originally what I went on for. And um, going on this past summer, it just seemed like it was a lot different. It was a lot younger, a lot younger people that were just kind of on there to, have fun which is i don't blame them you yeah. know have fun build their social media i mean these some of these people have millions of followers wow and they're making millions of dollars just from instagram ads okay uh, for me that's not me like i'll i'll dabble in a little bit and again like i'm you know the work that i do is in social in the social space so like i get it um but i'm also have my career and stuff so i'm not really too you know yeah reliant primary yeah, on yeah. The ads and stuff but that's that's what it is it's uh it's a drama it's a drama, man. It's a dating show. It's uh, it's a lot more simpler than it than it seems. It's not as glamorous as it seems. Um, you get the attention. It's flattering, but after a while, it's like uh, it's, I just kind of want to go out and hang out. Yeah, you know, dating sucks. um yeah. from that because you don't know the girl's intentions. Like, do they already have an opinion about you before they even meet you? Uh, so it's always nice when I meet someone that's like, oh, I've never watched the show. Yeah great. Well, let's get to know each other, you know?
0: Right. So you're still single.
1: Yeah. Still single.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so did you learn true things about either yourself or relationships or what you want or don't want in a relationship Mm -hmm. because of that experience, which is kind of a reality show experience? Was there Mm -hmm. something that you could take that now to find that real true love as you're moving forward? Absolutely. Uh, The best thing
1: for the bachelor that did for me was it made me more vulnerable. Um, I made me kind of open up my emotions because you're on a a love show. And the producers want you to talk about how you feel. I wasn't good at that before then. Um, and then you see how it's kind of reciprocated when you're talking to someone and you're honest and you tell them how you feel, and they tell you how you feel back. Mm. Before it was like, you know, I was more of a closed off person. Now I'm just like I'm open book, man. I'll, I'll go and I'll say what I, I need to say and um, and mean it. Um, and I think it's I think transparency and honesty and being vulnerable is is overlooked sometimes uh, especially now um, when you're getting to know somebody right Uh, so that's just something that I've been able to really kind of drive you know from a business side personal side relationships Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still working on it I I think everyone can always be more open and honest and I I feel like people are afraid to be honest because they feel like it might hurt them Um, and it could sometimes but I I think at the end of the day you know the transparency and honesty is a lot more uh, effective and better off than kind of you know
0: Tiptoeing around things. Absolutely. And you know what? I think as you were talking about that, it took me back because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, obviously, early 50s at this point. And I went back as you were talking about saying, man, you know, I was a little more closed off. And I've always been really socially interactive, Mm. but the deepest things I held pretty, pretty close for a long time. And as you talk about vulnerability, all these words are, they're more, they're old words, but they're Mm. newer culture words, Mm. right? Where they're more accepted, especially for males. And the thing that I always come back to as I think of transparency, vulnerability, <clears throat> honesty, those come back to being authentic. Mm-hmm. And you know, vulnerable for you may be completely different than vulnerable for me. Sure. So it doesn't mean that all vulnerability looks like. but man, when you're, our, when you're truly you, that authentic you is beautiful, regardless mm-hmm. of the package it comes in and regardless of how it shows itself, because who you're authentic with, they're gonna connect with you if if they're similar and if they're right. not, no one's wasting each other's time, right. right? And we know where we can fit and and come together in a work environment if we're different. But at least you know what you get. So that authentic is really important to me. And I hear you saying that like mm-hmm. this has helped you become more authentic. Hundred percent. I mean,
1: here's the thing. I don't want you know five years from now. I don't want to you know be like oh, i wish I would have said that. I wish I would have done that. I because I've done that before. Yes. You know and. And I don't have that opportunity to maybe say what I want to say to someone or do what I want to do in you know a situation. So now I you know I go with you know obviously I think things through first, but you know, I, I, <laughs> but I you know I go with I go with my gut and um, I try to not have any regrets, as, mm-hmm. as cliche as that is. Um, but I've definitely I feel like lost out an opportunity before because I didn't pose it myself.
0: Yeah, and what do you think is a common misconception? If there is one about the show, mm-hmm. the people on it, like if if you know someone, because we all judge what we see on TV, right? Yeah. Oh, that's real, or that's fake, or that's crap, or that's awesome, or whatever. Is there something that people might not realize about the show or the people on it? Well, well, outside of the people, here's what I'm saying.
1: I mean, the the people that run that show are probably the smartest people in that industry. I mean, that that show's been running for 20 years plus. I think what? I think The Bachelor and Survivor have been the longest-running reality shows. These producers are geniuses. Yes. Um, you can go on that show, you can sit there and not say anything, and it doesn't matter. They can make you whatever they want to make you. Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, it's the power of editing, the power of voiceovers, the power of all that. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Um, so... My biggest thing is again. I've been the good guy. I've been the bad guy. I've been. What's
0: the bad guy? Tell me again. I've never watched. It, the so bad guy is
1: the overcompetitive guy. The guy that's um, you know lies to get his way. Uh, but again, that was more of in the game. Sh- the game version that I was on. Um, you know, there's always got to be a villain. Yes, of course. And the villains are never forgotten.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good or bad? <laughs> good or
1: well? It's funny because most of, most of the people are good. On on the show, in theory, but the bad guys are like, "Wow, that guy, you know, yeah, you know, he's sneaky, or he does yes. this, or he's witty." Um, they never forget the bad guy. Um, but for me, it's uh, you can't you can't judge people off of that show. You just can't do it. I know these people from the show. Yes, I know them off the show, and it's two different realities. Okay, completely different realities. Uh, you can have your opinion because that's what we signed up for. Here yes. it is, like we're on TV. Go ahead, judge us. Uh-huh. But I'll let you know that it hurts. Um, when people say things bad about you, your family, your friends, Twitter, on Instagram, you might not think, but we read it, yeah. you know. And um, even even the, the A-listers, even the people that have millions and millions and millions of followers, they see it and they read it, and it's real. So it's uh, cyberbullying is insane. Insane. Um, when I first started doing the show, it was more of like you know you read it in the magazines or you read it on Yahoo articles. Now it's just like here it is, like you're out there on instagram and i mean just it's uh people are mean man um so my my thing is is don't don't yeah you go have your opinion but you know be nice about it because these people have lives outside of what you see on tv
0: how do you as a recipient of the good and the bad deal with it i know you know i have a very limited social media presence because my whole goal, I have one goal of social media and that's to put out a positive message. So mm-hmm. I don't put my family out there. It's not a personal thing. It's not my trips. It's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's literally about saying, Hey, if I can have a positive impact, I do it a minute at a time, a post at a time or whatever. So I don't get much pushback because there's not a lot to push back on unless you say positivity sucks, then right. I could get pushback. back. But the kind of things that you've been out there, do you have to, I mean, you have to prepare yourself mentally mm-hmm. um, to not get too high and not get too low from the, from the praise or or the criticism, I'd imagine, because it's real. When the praise is there, it gets knocked down real quick. Yes, and, and you know, vice
1: versa. It's it's very it's it's a roller coaster ride, um, and it's tough. You can't prepare for it. You mm-hmm. can't. The only way you can prepare for it is from experience, and that's why I feel like I've been able to handle it better. For me, at the beginning, it was if someone would say something about you know, it w- I didn't like to see my family members see people say bad things about me. Yes. I can handle it, but like if my mom, like, she's like, oh, Chris, like, why is so and why is they, Why are they saying this? Why are they saying that? That hurts. Yeah. Because you know, it's my mom and like, you know, she's yeah. my mom. <laughs> you know, she knows who I am. They're like, why are they saying this? You know, even even crazy stuff. Even recently, like, um, you know, uh, someone um, tweeted something to me about the lacrosse league and I responded back and, and like just some random person pops in like, oh, like Chris is, you know, blah, 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 so and so. And, and it's, it was, what kind of bothered me was that this was like a work kind of, like, I knew this person from, you know, the league. Like, yes. we don't really know each other too well. It's a working kind of relationship. But then you have someone from outer space saying, you know, this, this, and this about me from what they've seen on TV. Okay. Like, don't, don't, like, don't mix work and, and this stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, unless you know, unless you really know me or that person. And right. It's, It's frustrating, but again, it's like I signed up for it and um, that's just kind of, I got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, well, I think being a public figure is um, intoxicating and uh, debilitating all at Mm. the same time. Like you look at, regardless of your political stance, if you look at the current president, Mm. the last president, the president before that, now, our current president, he loves to get his word out there, Mm -hmm. right, with Mm -hmm. Twitter and and however else he does it. And people don't know him. I have my opinion of him. It Mm -hmm. may be good, it may be bad, it may be indifferent, but I don't know him, Right, but yet like you say, everyone can be a cyber warrior, a mm-hmm. cyber bully, and I think that we have to, as a society, take a look and say, are we being kind? Right. Right. You, would you rather be right or be kind? Some sometimes mm-hmm. being kind is the answer, mm-hmm. and we want to be right, but how are we right? Mm-hmm. If we're if we're trying to be right by beating others over the head with our rightness, our truth, I think that we run into a problem. Whereas, you know, if we just say, well, I can, I can, I can understand where you're coming from, but I don't agree we'd all be in a better place. And I think if we judged each other on those same merits, mm-hmm. especially without knowing someone, man, I think uh, there's a lesson for all of us in that. Definitely, I, I think conversation helps in general and just listening, I think. I used to be a talker.
1: Uh, I might seem like a talker on this podcast, but <laughs> I've, I've learned uh, that listening is way more important than talking and talking with substance is way more important than just talking. Yeah. Um, I used to just kind of, you know, my opinion was the one that mattered the most before. And I realized now I can, my opinion can be a lot stronger and a lot more uh, with a lot more substance behind it if I listen to, you know, the people that I'm in conversation with.
0: What a great lesson learned. It took me a while to learn that lesson. I'm finding the same thing. Mm-hmm. The more I can honor the person of that I'm talking to, just through respecting them, mm-hmm then we can come together, even if we don't agree, we can come together as far as saying, yeah, we made progress. And I think right now, whether it's through because of the COVID issue or the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. thing going on right now, or any number of, of social issues that we all have and that we all have to deal with, if we come at it with, a perspective of tolerance and not being tolerant, but having tolerance. Mm -hmm. So in other words, not being tolerant of mediocrity Mm -hmm. and of tolerant of injustice, but having tolerance towards people's thoughts and faiths and views. Man, it gives us the advantage, right?
1: I mean, how hard is that? It's like, how hard is it to actually just listen instead of being so hard headed that you have to talk over someone that has a strong opinion on something? You don't have Mm -hmm. to agree. Yes. But it's also nice to like, Learn how that person feels and why. Right. You know, and I think uh, I've been able to do that a lot better now. And I, I don't, I'm not, you know, the 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 Black Lives Matter. Like I've hit up my friends. I had to hit up, you know, people that are, you know, in it, mm-hmm. like that are part of it to so like really listen and like know how they feel. Yes. Um. And then I, I, you know, and then speak on it. I can, you know, I have a platform and like I, I want to speak on things, but I want to make sure that I'm speaking on things because I I believe in it and because I actually have. You know the experience or i've listened to someone that is living in it yes you know um and there's just those people out there that are so quick to opinion without actually talking to someone that's experience experiencing hardship or whatever it might
0: be mm-hmm. um again that goes all back to listening right you know speaking of having a platform i find it um fascinating i have people now every day and again. My audience is very small, mm-hmm. right? Very small. But every day- I watch
1: your Instagram stories all the time. You right do now. not. Yeah. We had the, well, Ramos posted. we had the hummingbird one
0: today. Yes, yeah, I did good. have that. Was that not crazy? <laughs> it was great. Like his hummingbird flies right into my my space. <laughs> I'm good. like, oh well, hi, hummingbird. Yeah. yeah, you must be coming to talk today. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me that with a platform, you do have opportunities. Mm-hmm. And every day someone reaches out and says, thank you for your message. Thank you, Uh, you were speaking to me today or wow, that's what I needed. And that fuels me. So I can imagine if I'm in a position like you are with a really nice sized platform that it can make all the difference in the world in what you're able to accomplish. Do you have things that you intend to, Chris, or want to accomplish with the platform that you've built over these last 10 years?
1: Yeah, uh, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, Always before was to benefit myself Mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, now, if I can just kind of help, even if it's just one person, yeah, um, and it's kind of a domino effect, right? If you can change one person for the better um, or help someone uh, that's struggling and and they can help someone, it's the whole pay it forward thing. Uh, you know, now, you know, there's, there's charity work and, you know, I'm a little more, you know, back when I was 25, I wasn't as, you know, um, I guess I wasn't as stable from a career perspective as I yes. am now. Uh, so I think now I, I have the ability to care more about others uh, rather than just kind of more being focused on myself. Uh, so whether it be, you know, charity work or doing stuff locally here in Denver, um, that's my whole, that's my goal. I mean, I, you know, just, and again, even with this lacrosse stuff, you know, I, I went out there and I wanted to, give the the players a bigger platform. Mm -hmm. They don't have a big platform, some of these guys. And I wanted to go out there and do interviews and and kind of bring a new audience to these guys because they love it. Again, like these guys don't do it for the money. Right. um, But they deserve attention. They just, and they're good guys and they they can help someone too. And and that was my thing. I wanted to interview these guys, learn their story and share with my audience.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, um, you had an impact on me in that you were able to help me get as a guest on this show, John grand jr. Who, yeah. for those of people, if you, if you ever get a chance to listen to one of these shows, listen to that one as well as this one, mm-hmm. because that one gave dudes, the Peyton Manning of your sport, mm-hmm. right? Like he's incredibly gifted, incredibly talented, playing all kinds of busted up. I watched him limping and mm-hmm. trying to get through this season yeah. in his forties, yeah. really trying to still make an impact. Cause he loves the game and he loves the teaching, player coach, the whole thing. The things he gave me on that podcast, Mm -hmm. I I felt like I was ready to achieve more, jump over walls, Mm -hmm. you know, dig big holes, whatever needed to be done to get the job done by that. And your platform allowed me to have that. And so I can't thank you enough for that. What are some of the other platforms that you're specifically pushing so that people listening to this that maybe they, they can find a way to support?
1: Yeah, I mean, just from the social side, I mean, Instagram and Twitter and stuff, and 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 pl- platforms. I mean, again, just special causes. to Me, I do a lot with the um, um, Chicago locally because that's where I'm from. Yes, and then here I do some reading partner stuff with the Denver with the kids here in Denver. Yeah, um, why reading? Why did you connect to that? I, you know, uh, my friend, she was uh, she was the director of the of the charity here locally in Denver, and she okay. reached out to me and she's like, "Would you want to come in and read to the kids?" Like, oh wow! Like, yeah, let's read to the. You know, I'd love to. And I was new to Denver, and it was again. A little bit selfishly, it was an opportunity for me to meet some people, mm-hmm. um, and then and keep busy and give back to the community. So, um, reading is I, I I like to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, might as well read to these kids and help them out a little bit. So, you know, it's like a one-on-one kind of tutor session, and then you know a little bit of a reading session as well. Uh, so so that was good. And then you know, locally in Chicago, I'm just you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of violence still going on in Chicago, yes. and uh, it's my city. I mean, that's where I'm from. That's where my family's from. I was raised there. Uh, so anything I can do to kind of help and, and you know, somehow bring positivity back to the community, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do it. I, I still have my place, my condo out there and my friends are there. I'm a diehard Chicago sports fan. So okay. um, that's that's my thing. It's like, uh, is
0: it, even if it's a little thing, I want to give back to them somehow. That's awesome. So listen, you've been such a incredible guest. I can't believe that it's already been like what, 40 minutes or something we've been Likewise. together. It seems like it's been four minutes. Uh, we could probably do this for four days. We could do this for four <laughs> days. I'm just getting started yeah. and I can tell you are too. So as we, as we kind of start bringing things into a landing, few popcorn questions mm-hmm. you like to read. Is there a certain genre or author or topic you like to read? And do you like hard books or do you like um, digital? Oh wow, that's all. Those are all great questions because I like I like them all. But okay. it's funny because
1: I I like to go on road trips, so I do a lot of audio books. Yes, and mo- no one wants to read the books I read. <laughs> I mean, they're like more they're in, they're informational stuff, you yeah. know, whether it's financial stuff or okay. motivational stuff, uh, whether it's health related, business yes. related, so um, personal growth, personal growth, yes, all of it, all mm-hmm. of it is personal growth. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, I feel like that's I'm trying to better myself when I'm doing all this. Re- even though I should probably break out of that a little bit and read some nonfiction once in a while. But honestly, it's all it's all personal growth. And uh I I was I had a road trip from Nashville back to Chicago and I read I listened to this whole audio book just about it was so I mean I was bored, but it was still like very interesting to me. But it was one of those things where like, i can't even recommend this because it was like <laughs> you i don't I even mean, like for six hours i barely even remember like driving because i was so like in tune to this book um but yeah nothing nothing specific ferris is one of my favorite guys okay and, um you, I mean, you know yeah yeah, yeah tim, Ferriss. Yeah, yep. Let's tim do ferris yeah listen to his podcast and uh, uh, he's he's my guy the four-hour work week was one my business mentor he's like you got to read this and i read it and i read it like four times this was back when i was you know working right after college with the new york islanders and i was like wow this sounds great. Mm-hmm. Four hours of work a week and <laughs> I'm good, you know? Um, so from that, it's kind of like, how can I make my life more efficient? How can I be happy doing doing these things, doing work mm-hmm. um, and not considering yeah. work? Um, that's my goal. And I want to do that and I want to, when I'm doing that, I want to be able to help my family and my my friends and kind of better their lives while I'm,
0: hopefully bettering mine. That's cool. Um, Chicago pizza. It's famous for pizza. And I went to Chicago one time on a business trip because I used to have to travel a lot Uh and there were two famous places. One was Giordano's and it has the circular pie. Then there was one with a square pie that Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of. We now have a Giordano's Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, you be the deciding factor for me because I liked, I liked the Giordano's and I just went and had one two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Chicago pizza. What's your favorite? Uh, I, I love Luminati's. Was Luma, that the so, square one? Yeah, so Luminati's and Giordano's are like the
1: rival deep dish pizzas in Chicago. Okay, um, I'll go Luminati's all day. Uh, it was nice <laughs> to see your Giordano's pop up over here. It is very hard to make deep dish pizza at altitude. Oh, it is? It is. I um, didn't know that. Yeah, to, to make a great crust and stuff, it's hard to, to do that out okay. here. So, But power to them. Um, you know, it's funny. I, these guys, I always give them hell out here. They're like, oh, let's get pizza here in Denver or here. And I'm like, Dude, I'm like, I, <laughs> it's going to be I lo- a challenge. I love Denver, but I don't know about the pizza. I'm like, I'll order Domino's or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I love the nice Pequod's is really good in Chicago, too. Uh, but yeah,
0: man, Chicago food is. Whew. Yeah, I went to that famous hot dog place that they have out there, uh, like in the wiener circle, I'm guessing. It's, it's uh, it had a huge building. Then their system of getting your your dog was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Big, huge, like production place. And they like yell at you. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, God, it was I fascinating. But yeah, I um, exactly right, right about. off of the downtown area. It was, yeah. was kind of cool. Um, okay. So what about this, um, best piece, piece, of advice you've either ever received or that you would now share based on this, uh, part in your life?
1: Uh, yeah. You know, being 33 now, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not old by any means, but, um, you're a baby, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, um, you know my dad always told me though and i i'm so thankful for him like he he told me to take chances you know um take risk uh, when it came to like profession and even it's not something like people want to be i want to be a doctor i want to be i want to be an athlete i want to be this i want to be that i want to be a lawyer but don't just don't you know be narrow-minded to that yes because you can do you can try something else and you might love that Mm -hmm. and even if it's you got to block out the monetary aspects of of career and of what you love because if you're gonna do do something just for money you're not gonna be happy yes most of the time um and for me i was able to my dad gave me that opportunity to to go to college wherever i want to try everything i wanted to to do this do that and through that i've been able to meet so many different kinds of people so if you're focused on just one kind of career it's your, you're, again, you're closing yourself off to a lot of opportunities. So take risk, take opportunity, talk to everybody. Everyone has something to offer and, and remember it. Listen,
0: that's it. I love that. You know what? I actually, every piece of advice you just gave there in those four pieces, I can absolutely validate and vouch for with hundred percent of my heart because I got trained as a chiropractor, mm-hmm. opened up five clinics. Then I thought I would never, I literally thought Chris, I literally thought my last act on earth was going to be providing a chiropractic adjustment on a table. And when that person left feeling better, then I would drop dead that the last ounce of my being had been used and my time was done. And over time, I realized that I had an ability to share a message and I had ability to teach and I had ability to learn things that other people didn't want to learn and then share that with them in a way that made it easier. And so that led to chiropractic franchising. Mm -hmm. And now of course, you know, help run a law firm Mm -hmm. and a and an HRT, which a is podcast. medical, yeah, run a pod like mm. all of this stuff was never in my, ever in my field of vision when I graduated from chiropractic school. Mm-hmm. But because I remained open and followed my heart and was willing to take chances and listen yep. to what others said, my gifts were and what I thought, it's led me in a path that I would never trade for mm. anything in the world, any part of it. Yeah, that's and it's great to hear because you know,
1: staying open minded, I think, is the most important thing because you know you don't want to sit back you know, and be like, well, I wish I would have tried that. Yes. You yes. Because we only get one opportunity. One shot. Yeah. One
0: opportunity. To well, do it, at so. least by, by most people's accounts, some people, you got a bunch of shots. You, know? Right, so that's you true. never know. Only one shot. This <laughs> that's go true. around. So, that's true. hey, let me ask you this as a final question. If you could have a day or at least a meal with anyone alive or dead, who would that be? Mm. And what would be what you would hope to get out? And mm. while you're thinking about that, because you, you're you not prepared, you and I didn't talk about anything we were going to talk about right. today. I would tell you, um, I would love to have a time to visit with Anthony Robbins. Mm. like, And he's alive still, and he's mm-hmm. just a, a powerful mentor of mine that I've never met. But you know, he just brings such compassion and wisdom and passion and energy to everything mm-hmm. he does. And he's made such a positive impact on the world. If I could pick one person, I think that's who mine would be. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Honestly, I would want to pick someone like, I'd
1: want to pick someone... I don't even know, man. (laughs) I would love to pick someone, and I don't think it has to be anyone specific. Yes. Someone that has lived through, that has been around through what we're going through now, Uh plus a world war, a world war two, you know, the pandemics, all of this. Okay. And sit with them in their pristine mindset where I can be like, what was that like? Yes, and I don't know who that is exactly, and if they're alive or or, or what. But if they're listening, <laughs> reach
0: out, reach but you out. i
1: saying I feel like it's so interesting because you know we only experience so many things. But right. I feel like if if you if someone that was like born in 1900 to now, you know, obviously it'd be 120. But man, just think about all the stuff that they've experienced. Yes, um, and obviously you know World War II is like such a you know big in the history books, and it fa- it fascinates me, even mm-hmm. though it's. Obviously, horrific, with everything that went down. But uh, just talking to someone that's kind of lived through all of it um, and just kind of listening to them. But I, personally, I mean, I would say something like I would be like Babe Ruth, you know? Yeah. Like, let's sit down with Babe Ruth and be like, how was it like being the greatest baseball player of all time where you would go in the dugout, you would smoke a cigarette and go hit 60 <laughs> home runs, you know? Like, what was that like? Like, what was baseball? What were sports like before sports were big? Yes. You know, when these guys were making $100, a you know, a week. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fascinating. What was the you know, what was this country like before, you know, athletes were put on a pedestal? Mm-hmm. What was it like being like an athlete? You just mm-hmm. played
0: because you loved the game. Wow. Yeah. Chris, what an incredible show, man. What an incredible visit. If people want to get a hold of you, you do this and I want you to to share any place that they can get a hold of you because as a uh, digital marketing mm-hmm. expert, like you said, you focus on people who have restaurants or eateries, that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's a different contact or connecting point mm-hmm. for you, but if someone wants to, you know, get information or ask questions, what's the best way for them to reach sure.
1: you? Sure. I mean, on social media, all my handles are Chris J. Bukowski um, or just, I have a, a, a general email, it's info at KCM Create, which is my digital media company. KCM. KCM Create. And, like uh, Shoot me an email and... Um,
0: Yeah, we help. I mean, we folks in hospitality, but we work in all our spaces as well. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much, man. Continued success. And we're going to have many more of these kinds of talks, whether they're recorded or not. I, I know that we've got a lot of cool stuff in our future. Thanks, Jim. All right, buddy.